0: You're listening to the best of the day.
1: Halford and Bruff.
0: That's right, a hodgepodge of nothingness. One of the quotes of the day that you heard there coming in. It is Halford and Bruff here on Sportsnet 650. I'm Jamie Dodd filling in for Mike Halford today. I'm, I'm
1: stealing that, by the way. A <laughs> hodgepodge of nothingness. It's a good one. Man. That's going to get it's liberal use one. on this show, I think. Oh, yeah.
2: yeah.
0: yeah. Actually, we actually have a, a good guest list today, so it doesn't really apply to the show today. Otherwise, no, more just been the been hosts like, and the, the producers. Host, We're going to save it for Halford yeah. when
2: he comes back, anytime he goes on a tangent.
0: The the general content here at the show, a hodgepodge of nothingness. Uh, the official automotive sponsor of Halford & Bruff is the Delari family of Acura dealers. Experience the Delari difference today, an hour one of the show brought to you by Avenue Machinery. Build your company to win with Kubota from Avenue Machinery. Yeah, all baseball clips uh, in the intro there because it was not a busy day in the world of sports. Just quickly, I'll tell you about our guests before we get into everything else uh, today. At 6.30, we're going to have a, a real-life doctor, a PhD, Samantha Bureau from the Concussion Legacy Foundation. She's going to join us. You might have seen this story. Uh, Flames forward. Jonathan Huberto pledged earlier this week to donate his brain to the uh, through a program uh, with the Concussion Legacy Foundation for research on brain injuries. Part of a big program also involving uh, 170 members of the Canadian Armed Forces. So we're going to talk to Doctor Samantha Bureau about that program, what the pledge means. The latest on concussions, CTE, mental health, and everything surrounding that story. That's coming up at 7 30, our guy Chris Faber will t- uh, will drop by. We'll talk about the World Juniors, the quarterfinals go today. Danny Vietti from CBS Sports will talk a little baseball with us at 8 o'clock. And at 8.30, very excited for this one, Columbus Blue Jackets general manager Yarmo Kekalainen will join us for a chat. Uh Probably one of the happiest guys in the NHL after after this offseason, feeling pretty good about himself, I would imagine.
1: Yeah, and probably watching Kent Johnson at the World yep. Juniors, probably and he probably enjoyed that Michigan goal. Um, you know, now that the surprise and the shock and the excitement of Johnny Goudreau actually signing in Columbus and i'm still like columbus really, really? really? That, columbus? really? that happened columbus really happened we we should ask Yarmo that be like you you were surprised right like that's crazy <laughs> it's columbus hey Yarmo, columbus
3: columbus, columbus really? really
1: uh i i i think one of the more interesting things is uh who's he going to play with yep you know who's his, who's going to be his center he had elias lindholm in calgary and and obviously matthew Kachuk on on the other side in calgary and it, it worked out pretty well uh who who is slated to be his his center right now? Yeah, it's an interesting like, I, question. I, I I have I have no. Is it? I can't be. It can't be Kent Johnson. No, I wouldn't expect it. I mean, if you just look at
0: their roster, is it like Jack Roslovic, Boone Jenner,
2: <laughs> Boone Jenner is no, still seriously. there. Like, yeah, like he's yeah. A, he's not a bad player, but no.
1: he, he's not the type of player that you, you you typically expect to see with a with a Johnny Gaudreau. But uh, things are looking up. In Columbus, uh, I know the, the the Jackets have said we now expect to make the playoffs, et cetera, et cetera, but I don't know what they're actually thinking internally. Maybe this year is a kind of like, all right, let's see what we got here, everything coming together. Um, they've got a star player in Johnny Gaudreau and, and a bunch of good young players, so the future is bright. For the Blue Jackets and we'll talk to Yarmo Kekalina And about I think e-
0: even more than just what the expectations are for this year, I think the fascinating thing is, you know, it's, it, don't forget, the, the Blue Jackets just started this pretty significant rebuild, um, right, by trading Seth Jones the previous offseason to Chicago, and then all of a sudden you turn around and you have the star UFA kind of fall into your lap, and just, how do you shift plans like that, right? How, how, what does that do all of a sudden you kind of have to Reassess what all of your plans were and say Okay, things have changed significantly we got to do something maybe a little bit different now uh, Because of these circumstances So we'll talk to Jarmo Kekalainen at 8.30 Make sure you tune in for that one And we'll probably spread out what we learned Throughout the 8 o'clock hour You can always get your submissions in early For that as well So not a lot on the slate last night But let's get to it, what happened
1: Hey, did you guys see the game last night? No, No. what happened? I missed all the action because our
0: so yeah off day at the world juniors so really it was baseball you heard in the intro coming in all the clips were baseball that's what was going on in the world of sports last night and from my perspective from uh, the perspective of a lot of our listeners the big story the Blue Jays lose again. That's five straight against the Orioles. Specifically, that they have now lost, and they are clinging, clinging to a wild card spot. A uh, really, really struggling right now. If they lose tonight to the Orioles, uh, it will be uh, that they, they will be officially below Baltimore Yikes. in the standings, which below is a tough spot to be. Baltimore below the Orioles. Not
1: in, not, not only not in a playoff spot but the Orioles yes, will have taken it, it from them. Um, That's tough. In, in one of my many group chats with friends, uh, I have this one friend who is a big Blue Jays fan, and a bunch of the guys in the chat are not Blue Jays fans, so they kind of make fun of them a lot. Sure. Or he'll make fun of them when the Blue Jays are on. They're a bit streaky. And he texted yesterday, I hate this team. <laughs> and we've got another text into the Dunbar Lumber text line, Sean and Delta, I got home last night. Turned on the Jays game. It was 2-0 Jays in the fifth. Instead of being happy, I said, oh, no, it's only 2-0. And the Jays ended up losing 4-2. We have lost. So Sean is a big fan because he's saying we. We have lost eight of the last 10 uh, to the Orioles. Um, I am freaking out we will miss the playoffs. That would be a disaster. You guys are professionals, barely. (laughs) I need you to keep me from going off the cliff. Tell me something positive about the Jays because I don't know what to think anymore. It's not fun watching this collapse at all. Okay, Sean, the worst guy to ask in this is Laddie because Laddie almost refuses to be an emotional sports fan. He is, he is. You are, you are, you are a robot. Like you are a fan three thousand. Do not get hopes up too high. Do not get too low. Like it, it, I, every time I ask you, I'm like. Frustrated about the Jays, he's like, it's a long season. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Hot dog, we have uh, a se- wiener. Well, season's like, getting shorter every day though,
1: Malik.
3: You've you've watched enough baseball, I guess. You start to realize that it, it is such a long season. You're gonna have these ups and downs, right? Like we've seen the the positive. You mentioned it in your group chat. You know, the, the Jays have had highs where your friend could make fun of the other teams fans. Uh, it's just right now, it's not one of those times.
0: No, it it certainly isn't. And I, perspective. I feel bad. For Sean and Delta texting in, like even before we started talking about this, because he's he's asking, you know, tell me something positive. Keep me from going off the cliff here. But my plan was to come in and, and rant about how frustrating it is to watch the blue jays right now. And I know, you know, I follow some of our colleagues uh from the fan five ninety in Toronto on Twitter and you know they're doing things like today's poll is you say Kikuchi the worst signing in sports in, in Toronto yeah. sports Ever. history <laughs> yeah like the worst contract in Toronto sports history they are absolutely losing it they hate
1: that team in Toronto right now is he going to be able by the way is he going to be able to keep going like are I, they no going to yeah. have to three year deal no so, yeah. no no but even sometimes <laughs> it gets so bad that they're just like why don't you go sit in the bullpen the for phantom a bit. Yeah. I think yeah. he's yeah. or
0: he's going to be waived, right like. With Put, two years left on his deal? Yeah, but I mean,
2: Yikes. So, he's it hurting the team right can be somebody, else's problem. Right now, be somebody you know? else's problem,
0: yeah. right? I don't know. I mean, that one seems like the thing about the Jays and pitchers is their pitching coach, Pete Walker, it reminds me a little bit of Ian Clark, where I think he looks at a guy and he's like, I can fix him. And he looked at Yusei Kikuchi. He was like, I can fix that guy. And he might still you think that.
1: Kikuchi went, oh, yeah? yeah.
0: <laughs> Watch this. What if I don't listen to you? <laughs> you think you can fix me? But we got the text in from Sean, and you're talking to your buddy last night, right? Like, I hate this team. I'm feeling that way as well. And the thing with yesterday, so Kikuchi pitched on Monday, and you kind of just write that off in your head. You're like, okay, well, this is going to be awful. This is going to be a slog to sit through. I'll still probably watch, but I hate it. I know going in, it's going to be brutal. Yesterday was Alec Manoa, which should be the kind of the safe port in a storm. You know what I mean? Like, okay, the rest of the team is struggling. At least they have Manoa going today. He's their ace. He's a stud. Good chance of winning. And, you know, he was fine. He wasn't terrible. Four earned runs in just over five innings, I think. Not great. Not awful. And the rest of the team doesn't show up. They only score the two runs. You know, there's a bases loaded one out situation. Matt Chapman hits into a double play. It just keeps going like that. They can't do anything right right now. And I do think there's something unique about baseball because it is every day. It is so frustrating when your team is going through it like this because it just feels, you wake, there's this sense of kind of helplessness every day. Like, okay, I guess I'll, I guess I got to watch the Jays again today, see yeah. how they can screw it up
1: this time. I think it's a noon start today too, so there you get an early start. There I hate comparing you go.
0: it to
3: hockey, but it's like if the Canucks had a nine-game losing streak, but all those losses were packed into nine days or ten days. It's a little frustrating for baseball. That's a
1: challenge that I think they'd be up for. <laughs> you yeah. uh, think they could do it? You know, the the other thing, but, but in some ways it makes it easier that you get another chance every day. And I, and I know it seems relentless, but I compare it to, you know, if you go out and have, like I played golf yesterday, did not play all that well. I'd love to play today. Right. Right. Like just get out there and, 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 and get another shot at it. Now there is a chance that it could go even worse and I could get, feel even worse, but like sitting around thinking about it doesn't help either. I actually think one of the worst teams to see um, in a slump is is your favorite football team, right? You you gotta wait every Sunday or Monday. You gotta you you get yeah. one you get one game a week. If that keeps going, if 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 your football team is on a a four game losing streak, which doesn't it's not even that bad. That's a month. That's yeah. a month of your life where you're like, and you and you you just like. Every week is this prep. week, like, no, oh, this week we got to figure it out. Like we've had a practice, and then you got to go in there, and you're like, oh, it's the same stuff. It's the same stuff over and over again, and, and that's frustrating. So I don't know. You got I, to ruminate
0: I, I, about it for a week every week.
2: Big that many time losses rumination. in a row, like all packed together, make you feel like sideshow Bob and the rake after a while, though. Like you just after get a completely while. numb to it. Like yeah. that many losses in such a quick succession, you're just, it's like ugh terrible. Feeling. It's it's an
0: interesting question. I'll throw it out to the listeners. 650 650 to the Dunbar Lumber text line. What's the worst sport to suffer through your team going through a bad slump? The most uh the one that's the biggest drag to see your team going through a
3: slump and My beer league team. <laughs> I've been part of a lot of that. Hey, you're the goalie, though, Malik.
0: Come on. It's usually your fault. you got to pitch a shutout
1: to get what, out of that. Do you take the same attitude into your beer league season as you do with the Jays? You're just sitting there going, guys, it's a long season. I, I stand
3: up in the room. It's a long season, guys, and they just pelt everyone. <laughs> Shut them. up, Malik. Stop the pot. Hey, make
1: a save. Why don't you? It'll be a lot shorter season, yeah, then. say,
3: it feels Shout- a lot longer with you
0: and
1: net Shouting from
2: the end of the eyes, we'll get the
1: next one, boys. We got it next time.
2: Guys,
0: don't worry. Our expected <laughs> goals is way better than them. <laughs>
1: Boo! Uh, the good news for the Jays, and yeah, I'd love to hear from the listeners on on that as well. Uh, what's the worst sport to watch your team go through a slump? Um, the Jays finish off mercifully. This is sad against the Ori- oh. Orioles. Their 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 series today, um, and then they start a four game set in New York against the Yankees, against a Yankees team that has a far superior record to them but seems vulnerable right now. Very,
0: very vulnerable right now. I think they're two and 11 since the trade deadline. Uh, Obviously trading Joey Gallo away has really sunk their season, but they also haven't been, I mean, I think you were saying earlier in the week, Balak, right? Like their record, it's not just since the trade deadline, they've been kind of mediocre for a few months at this point, after getting off to that incredible, incredible start where they could do no wrong. And, It's actually kind of even more frustrating from a Jays perspective because if the Jays had just played like slightly over 500, they would have made up a lot of ground in the last couple of weeks on the Yankees. They might actually be looking at the division and saying, hey, we have a shot at this. But instead, the gap is just as big as it
1: was uh, when the Yankees were playing so well. Um, If the Blue Jays do miss the playoffs this year, what are the consequences of that? Because, um, see, I asked Laddie. This too, I hate to pick on Laddie, but he's like, well, just try again. <laughs> Next, like, eh, I feel his eye like, his does that? twitch <laughs> when you ask him that, though, it, it, if you notice. I don't but, remember saying that. Well, I mean, okay, that's, what they, yeah, do in, just that's what they do in Toronto, right? Kind they, of they, j- yeah, that's true, yeah. <laughs> hey, we'll <laughs> try roll again. it back out. We believe in the group. <laughs> uh, but, I mean, last year, they were almost unfortunate to miss the playoffs with, and I always bring it up, the run differential. But it was incredible. Like They had, they had a run differential, which was elite. Like, it was really good um for whatever reason that didn't pan out for them a lot of people blamed the, the bullpen or, or or whatever this year they come in with a lot a lot more a lot more optimism because of that season mm-hmm. they had right they're like well that was just unlucky we'll make the playoffs this year even though they did lose some quality pitchers right and i wonder if i actually wonder in hindsight if we didn't make a big enough deal of some of the guys that actually left yeah the blue jays uh, Robbie Ray, well, for they example, would, yeah, you they know, are, like <laughs>
0: they would kill to have Robbie Ray in the lineup right now. <laughs> I, exactly. Is that a Kikuchi.
1: But, yeah, that, no, it's a good debate. It's a good debate. It's a good debate. Um, but so, so what happens if if they miss the playoffs? Like they're not. It's not going to be like, well, we're going to trade Guerrero, right? Like, it, it, what do you do? Well, they made obviously they. They fired Charlie Montoyo, and John Schneider's there
0: on an interim basis. So it seems very likely they're going to go and try to get a a new manager one way or another. I don't know. I mean, I don't really have a sense of how much of a hot seat there is for the the Atkins-Shapiro front office. It doesn't seem like a lot. It seems like ownership, which is also our ownership, of course, Rogers, seems to be pretty happy with them overall. I do think there's a case to be made if this season continues to go off the rails and the the worst case scenario happens and they miss the playoffs of looking at a change in management, I think usually that's kind of a a panic situation, right? Yeah. Like, ah, we didn't, things didn't go well, uh, fire the GM, right? But in this case, I mean, one, as you said, you know, the C- C- Cucci signing has been a disaster and they let Ray walk. Now that's budgetary and all that. I understand that, but that hasn't worked out at all. And they just consistently over the last couple of years have not been able To build a bullpen and it's come back to bite them or a really effective, legitimately effective bullpen and it's come back to bite them. I don't know if it would be the right move to make a move in the front office if they miss out on the playoffs this year, but I think there's at least a plausible, there's a plausible reason to pin it on them. I think it wouldn't just be knee jerk, pure knee jerk.
3: Yeah, me. I I just still think we're a long way away from seeing a, a managerial change in the in the, it's a the long Jays. season. It's true; it is a long season. But I I think if if the Jays miss the playoffs this season, uh, what you will see is one of the core pieces get traded. I think one of those guys uh, will be on the move. Whether it's Bichette, Guriel, I think if they miss this year, they're they're going to try to at least sh- shake things up a little bit. Yeah, and I think it starts with the players before the managers and the and the GM.
1: So speaking of. Uh... I don't want to call the Jays a disaster. Potential disasters. Actual j- disasters. Well, like, uh, the world of golf right now yeah. is entertaining, but also so volatile. And we were talking about this while we were on the course yesterday, how we're kind of laughing at the situation. Like we were laughing that we heard that Patrick Reed is now suing yes. uh, Brandel Shambly and the Golf Channel uh, for for defi- defamation um, and the claim is that, uh, Shambly and the golf channel conspired with the PGA tour and commissioner Jay Monahan to defame Reed quote unquote, since he was 23 years old. Um, and Reed's allegations include misreporting information with falsity and or reckless disregard of the truth. Basically in a nutshell, Patrick Reed is getting tired of being called a cheater. Yes. Uh, And these cheating allegations go all the way back to uh, his time in college when he was a very young man and his teammates didn't like him. Apparently, I don't want to get sued by Patrick Reed. Allegedly, his teammates didn't like him. And a couple of years ago, actually, Reed's lawyer sent Shambly a cease and desist letter demanding that he not repeat accusations that Reed cheated during a tournament, the Hero World Challenge, uh, in 2019 for his for improving his lie in a bunker. Now, when that happened, Reed denied it. But it was kind of like, you didn't get the benefit of the doubt at at that point. So he's, he's of course has gone to the live golf tour and, and, and and part of it is saying like he was driven off the PGA tour because he'd be heckled at tournaments. And, and and I don't think anyone was surprised when Patrick Reed went to the live golf tour just because he wasn't, he wasn't liked. There's actually quite a few golfers who weren't liked. Yes. That went to the live That was kind of the first live wave golf tour. Yeah. You're yeah. kinda like, Oh yeah, well, Kevin Nunn, nobody really particularly yeah. cares for you anyway. Guys right? who are kind of villains you know? already. And they're like, yeah. Well, no one likes DeChambeau. me anyway. So I don't have a reputation to, to maintain. E- exactly. So at the same time that's happening. Uh Tiger Woods was uh, the leader of a top players only meeting with the PGA tour yesterday, um, in Delaware, Delaware. Remember that? My favorite state. Was that the one they did in, uh, God, what was that? Wayne's we were, world. In Wayne's world. Yeah. Hi. Yeah. yeah.
2: I'm in Delaware.
1: I knew you'd get it, Andy. Of course. I knew stupid, you'd get I'll it. I'll know it. <laughs> uh, so anyway, Wilmington, Delaware is the site of this week's BMW championship. The same one that Cam Smith will not be playing in. Uh, it's all part of the FedEx cup playoffs. Um, it was all about getting the top players on the same page is what a player who, who attended the meeting told ESPN. Um, I don't know what plans they came up with, if any. Maybe it was just kind of a rah rah session. Yeah like, hey guys, we need to stick together on this. I think the Cameron Smith, if he does go to the the Cameron Smith story, if he does go to live golf that one seems different than all the, all other, the other ones, ones really yeah. cuz all the other ones you could be like oh it's patch Reed, no one likes him yeah apparently mm-hmm. allegedly um or DeChambeau, the same sort of thing right um or a guy like um even dustin johnson who might be past his prime a little bit but also you always wonder like how much does dj really like he golf care? like even yeah. he seems he doesn't seem unhappy on the golf course, but he seems way happier in other situations, sure, right? Like, sure. The, the joke is like he would just rather be fishing, right? Yep. And the, there's always these pictures of DJ fishing, and and it's like, wow, you look happier fishing than you did when you won a major, and, and that, or and the other types of players would be Mickelson or Lee Westwood or Ian Poulter, guys that have had some good moments in their careers, but they're they're getting old. Well, they have name or, they have or, name
0: value, but they're not. Yes, they're not in their prime, right?
1: Obviously, or or young guys who, frankly, might have been looking at the PGA Tour and going, "I don't know if I'm good enough to make a lot of money here." Cameron Smith is young; he was very popular with 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 fans. Although I, I don't know if fans have gotten to know him, but just his look, right? Um, You look at him and you're like, "That's a future star." Like you can you can market around him if he leaves. Then all of a sudden you're going, hmm. yeah, yeah. He doesn't. If he leaves. Anyone can leave.
0: He doesn't fit into any of those other boxes you're describing, right? As as okay, you can kind of rationalize why those players were leaving and why the tour can pretty easily survive it. it I'm going to be really curious. It says some of the reporting and you know reading from an ESPN article here that they're going to take the players who met in Delaware with Tiger Woods are going to take some suggestions to Commissioner Jay Monahan about how to improve the tour. It's gonna be really interesting as we hear more come out about what those suggestions are, how likely they are to be implemented. The one thing I find really interesting about this from a viewer's perspective is so much of the battle is not about it is not really about anything that affects me in a way. It's all about the conditions for the players. You know what I mean? And like with Live, it's oh well, we're only doing fifty four whole tournaments. And it's like, well, okay, I can see how that would be good for the players. It's less work. Doesn't really affect me too much. I've never looked at a tournament and said, "Oh man, if only it started on Friday instead of Thursday." Yeah. Then I'd be really into this tournament. Well, I've
1: definitely never looked at a tournament like, "If only it was a shotgun start." Yeah,
0: exactly. That's really going to improve me things for me. Yeah. And similarly for the PGA guys right now, I I don't know. I I would be very surprised if any of their suggestions had a big impact on us. As opposed to the players. Well, I
1: also wonder how many of their suggestions are just uh, "Can we have more money?" Yes,
0: like isn't that what it comes down to? Yeah, make us work less and give us more money. That's what they're doing, and look at that, and look at how it's working out for them. I, I, I think that's probably the root of it, which is understandable, but. It makes it kind of hard to fit into the the villain and hero kind of framework that we have—the good guy, bad guy—and obviously yeah. with Liv, it, it all comes down to the Saudi Arabia thing. I understand that, but it, it is kind of funny how they're trying to pitch it as, "Oh, we've got this great new style of golf with shotgun starts and there's like, music on the driving range." <laughs> <like>, Who
1: cares? <laughs> oh, awesome team golf, but no one knows <laughs> yeah, the team,
0: like with the the stupidest names you've ever heard of. Great, I love it. No, it doesn't matter at all. What's coming up next? Uh, We have Dr. Samantha Bureau. She is the director of programs at the Concussion Legacy Foundation. Going to talk about the news that Jonathan Huberto has pledged to donate his brain for uh, research as part of the Project Enlist program with the Concussion Legacy Foundation, so really looking forward to that conversation. That's coming up next. You've got it on Halford and Bruff Sportsnet six fifty. This is the best of Halford and Bruff. Download the full show through Apple, Google, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.
1: You're listening to the best of the day. Halford and Bruff,
0: and we're talking about should they trade JT Miller is because they probably can't afford to keep him and everyone else under the cap it drives so many of our discussions and it's more about it's more about like
1: accounting sometimes
0: mm-hmm. than it is the actual sport
1: well just to finish off a thought that I had um the biggest villains back in the day were the owners that wouldn't spend the biggest villains now are in some cases the owners that are too willing to spend mm-hmm. and that's crazy yeah right I mean what, what why are? The Canucks, in the situation they are right now, part of it has been an over-willingness to use free agency to try and improve the team. Because with a hard cap, contracts can actually turn into liabilities as opposed to assets. They can't just be written off. Yeah. Right? as Well, they're nothing. They don't mean anything. The Louis Erickson contract was the perfect example. Yeah,
0: it's a good point. It it creates a situation where the downside – for signing a big deal is so much worse than it used to be, right? It can put you in a, uh, just a world of pain for years to come because you made a bad decision. And it yeah. creates kind of a weird incentive where you're always so hesitant to spend money because mm. the, the, it could come back to bite you. The consequences could be I so I think dire. it
1: turns into so much disdain for certain players on the team too. And I think that's unfortunate. Yes. Like, well, you're always you, re- you really start despising some of the players on your team because of how much money they make and because they aren't tradable. And then you get a situation for that player where they're like, I'm unhappy too, right? You get the, my contract sucks quotes, right? Yep. And what does that really mean back in the day? It meant that like it was. No one wanted it. No one wanted it, right? Because it was a liability. Look at the conversations we have around Tanner Pearson.
0: It's like Tanner Pearson's
1: doing his job. He's a good <laughs>
0: hockey player. well, was like, wow, like makes- a really nice guy yeah, and everything. He's he's like, like, ah. There's not a lot to dislike, but people like, are like, well, he
1: makes too much. And he's overpaid by like a million. Yeah. If right? that. Yeah. Yeah. And <laughs> it is just other teams are looking at that contract. And I really, a lot of this is pandemic related. So it, it is temporary in a way, but it was an issue. I mean, the Louis Erickson contract was a problem, a liability, and anchor. Yeah long before we went into the pandemic and came out of it or coming out of it with, with a flat cap. I just, I, I think I'm just getting, and, and and maybe I'm a little bit of a grass is greener on the other side type, or maybe I'm looking back on the good old days with too much nostalgia, but I just miss the days where there could be really dramatic moves without us saying that's incredible that they were able to pull off a deal like that. Blockbuster trades used to be a common occurrence. Yeah. And there could be a lot more of a, it was just freer. It was more fun. Gretzky got traded at the deadline. That sort of stuff really just does not happen anymore. And I think it's an, it's unfortunate. And I think, what what is you know, the league is on a more financially uh stable footing. I realize that when you have cost control and you have strict cost control. I just wonder if some of the richer owners, and those are typically the ones that have the leverage and the power in these meetings, might one day push for like, hey, like maybe we can entertain a luxury tax. Can we, flex tax? This a little bit? Can, we fl- can we make this a little bit more flexible because this is frustrating for us and we're and we're noticing that our fans when we're in a downturn are so apathetic because they're kind of like yeah well I'll check back when you guys are good but it takes a long time to turn it, turn, yep. this, turn this turn the ship around.
0: The other example that comes to mind from this off season of a move in some ways being overshadowed by the cap implications is Calgary getting Jonathan Huberto in the trade for Kachuk and then signing him to the big deal that should be a moment of almost pure celebration, right? Like, oh, my goodness, you managed to replace Johnny Gaudreau. You got this guy to commit. That's incredible. And there was a lot of that, to be fair. And I think probably most Flames fans very, very excited that that was uh, – that Trey Living was able to accomplish that. But there's also this undercurrent of, well, that contract's not going to age very well. That contract's not going to look good in a few years. And it's like, that's true, but – is that really? If you're the NHL, is that the conversation you want your fans yeah. to be having about signing the second leading scorer in the league last year?
1: It turns turns everyone into my dad, like frugal, just totally like. Well, yeah, yeah, I don't know, you know, like it, my my dad would always be like, uh, back in the day, like, can we get power windows for the car? He's like, no, it's just one more thing to go wrong, <laughs> right? You know, rolling like down the window
2: builds <laughs> character. Yeah, exactly.
1: <laughs> it, 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 and all hockey fans now are just scared. Of every signing. Yeah.
0: What is going on? Welcome back to Halford and Bruff SportsNet 650. I'm Jamie Dodd filling in for Mike Halford. The official automotive sponsor of Halford and Bruff is the Delari family of Acura Dealers. Experience the Delari difference today. We got into an interesting discussion just before the break about. The CBA, the hard cap system in the NHL, and where people kind of feel about it as fans. Because I do think there was a lot of excitement, a lot of optimism about it when it first came in, right? Hey, it's going to level the playing field. Teams can't just spend their way to a Stanley Cup. Not that that always worked out when teams did try to do it. But as you were pointing out, Bruff, it can also lead to a lot of frustration because he's so difficult to turn a team around, so difficult to build a sustainable winner. Uh, in the NHL because of the salary cap. I wanted to read this text that came in, unsigned. 650-650 is the Dunbar-Lumber text line. You can get your thoughts in because I think this is a good uh, counterpoint to some of the points we were making earlier in the show. This one says, A hard cap is the best thing that has happened to the NHL in the last 30 years. Yes, COVID has messed up the cap, but this will fix itself soon. Are you frustrated with your team not being able to turn it around quickly? Then stop hiring people like Benning and Shirelli and start hiring smart management like Sackick and Heisman. Ask Tampa or Colorado fans if they have a problem with the hard cap. For smart management, the hard cap is, a, is an advantage. For idiots, it's a disadvantage. I'd rather have a league where smart managers win rather than a league where the richest owners win. Now, it's interesting because some Tampa fans probably do have a problem with the hard cap. They've
1: had to lose a lot yeah. of good players. Well, Colorado's probably going to lose Kadri.
0: Yeah. Now, they have cups, so it's a yeah. lot easier to mm-hmm. tolerate those losses, but overall, I do take the point that it creates a situation where you really, really have to have a sharp front office. And as the texture points out, the teams that have struggled the most have been ones that are not good at really understanding the nuances of the cap, of really planning for the salary cap. We know that very well here in Vancouver. So I think that's a fair fair counter argument, but I don't think it... I have a problem with the idea that oh well, only the richest owner would win if there was no hard cap, right? Because there are other there's there's space between a hard salary cap like the NHL has and a total free for all where you just do whatever you want, right? There there's other systems. I I take the texter's point that hey, you're prioritizing smart yeah, managers sure. here. I also still think there's some there's
1: some serious issues with the hard cap though. It's just so restrictive, and I think it was restrictive before the flat cap too. We heard that that phrase, wow, there's just like guys are trying to make deals, but they can't make deals. That's not necessarily a good system. Yeah, When guys are desperately, GMs are desperately trying to make moves, and they can't. I'm an advocate for player movement. I don't know if I want it to the extent that the NBA has it, but I'm an advocate for more player movement, uh, certainly shorter contracts, just really, I was going to say
2: the NBA trade deadline is awesome. I would love it if it was like that. It's just absolute chaos. It's the so, NHL
1: trade deadline used to be pretty cool too. It, I know, I know. Right? Like, I would now, love it to get back. Now there. it's just these, with the exception of a few, you know, major trades that that, that you, you do see. It's usually pretty uneventful. It's pretty like, oh, Boring. we got this guy, like you know, and he'll be fine. Yeah. Right. The, the, we, we needed to, we needed we to add one more penalty killer.
0: Yeah, and we did. We got a third line left and winger. A, yeah, exactly. Let's go. Everyone get
2: really excited. League minimum. Let's go, boys.
1: Yeah, uh, but 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 a lot of people are texting in um, with the point that the original texter made, and, and I have all the time in the world for this, and I, and I admitted it uh, when we first started this conversation. Part of this is to do with the fact that the Canucks have been irresponsible with their spending, and they've spent their way into issues. Um, unsigned text, Louis Erickson's contract is the fault of bad management, not the fault of a hard cap. Having no salary cap makes shrewd management pointless because the richest owners can just buy themselves out of any problem. I don't want the NHL to turn into a European soccer league where Bayern wins every single year in Germany. The same two teams win every year in Spain and the same three to four teams win every year in England. This isn't good for the league or for growing the game globally. That is true. I don't think that would happen. No. But I I understand that point. I just wonder if there's somewhere we could meet in the middle. Yeah. Where are, there are some, there are some limits to what can be spent, but maybe those limits, maybe it's a soft cap. Maybe it's a luxury tax. Maybe it's, I, I don't know. Right. Like, but surely you could come together and 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 brainstorm some ideas because right now it just seems everything is bunged up and it's a real, and it's a real, it makes things less interesting. Like the Canucks, listen, the Canucks will probably go into training camp and say, like, we're fine with where we are right now. I can guarantee you they're frustrated. I can guarantee you they're sitting there going, we wanted to move some salary out. We just can't. Don't you think Nazem Qadri is sitting here a little bit frustrated right now? Absolutely. That how many times has he heard, like, oh, we, we're, we, 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 we want you, Nazem, but yeah. we, we can't, we got to move some money. Tyler Mott can't get signed. Tyler Mott can't get signed right now. Yeah, I was
2: going to say, he probably feels pretty frustrated, hoping because, for a big payday. And, I would and, think I, so. and
1: I'm sure he's, like, you know, in con- conversation with his agent, and the agent is probably like, I'm just being told that teams need to uh, clear some money. Well, how are they going to do that?
2: Nobody has any money.
1: Nobody has any Everyone's money.
2: Capped Everyone, out. Everyone capped out. Everyone is trying to clear money. <laughs> yeah. And I
0: guess, I guess the teams – it must be a situation where the teams that actually do have salary cap space are just asking for exorbitant returns to to take on contracts, right? Like, Arizona must be just demanding the world to take on any of your, your bad deals, and that's why nobody can do it. But it, you're right. It must be frustrating for the players. Lots of people texting in asking for a luxury tax system of some sort, as you were kind of saying, Bruff. right – not just a free-for-all, but something that allows you a little bit more flexibility.
1: Compliance a- buyouts would yeah, be another idea. Something that
0: just gives you, you know, in the, the NBA system is extremely complicated, right? But you have, hey, a, a, a mid-level exception. So, mm-hmm. okay, you okay, you're up against the cap, but you can spend X amount of money on a veteran player to come in, and it won't count against your cap. Things like that, right, where you can still find ways to tinker and improve your team. You still have to be really smart about ma- how you manage it. It still rewards teams that are sharp, but it also gives you that little bit of extra flexibility. I will say, you know, the the person who makes the texture makes the point about, I don't want the NHL to turn into a European soccer league. I completely understand that. And I, like, I think Bayern has won like the Bundesliga 10 straight years or something, which is just incredible to think about from a North American perspective. I wouldn't want to watch that either. I do always find it interesting when that argument is made, though, because from a purely a business perspective, those leagues are doing pretty well. <laughs> <laughs> like as much as you yeah. can say only 3 teams or 3 or 4 teams have a chance to win the Premier League it's like the richest most successful pro sports league in the world i always find that fascinating we always say oh no parity parity is what drives a league you yeah have, have parity says that yeah.
1: over and over and over and over again
0: but there are a lot of examples from around the world
1: where you don't have that much parity and you can still do really really good business there's also great storylines when you have um a few rich teams that are kind of trying to bully people around because when they get beaten, it's awesome. Now, again, this is – I always have to um, check myself a little bit because I remember, for example, in the 80s when the Flames upset the Oilers on the Steve Smith goal, and I was like, oh, my God, like the Oilers actually lost – That was at a time when the Habs have won four in a row, Mm -hmm. had won four in a row, the The Islanders had won four in a row, and it looked like the Oilers were going to do it then. Ultimately, they only won four out of five. It's losers. There were a lot of bad things about the way the league was set up then. There were a lot of bad teams. There were a lot of very uncompetitive games. There were teams that went into that seasoned, um, and because they didn't have an ownership that was willing to spend, because they were financially in trouble... Um, they just, they just didn't even try, right? So they were terrible and the Canucks were often one of those teams. My frustration I think has grown since the Canucks have turned into one of the big money teams and now they're being constrained or now when they do try to spend money, it actually ends up hurting them as opposed to helping them. So I do have to check myself in some ways of remembering the, the days before the hard cap as being better than they are now, there is some good things about the hard cap. And frankly, it's kind of interesting in some ways to talk about the cap. It's like a puzzle. Like we're constantly trying to figure out a puzzle. It's just a different way of doing things but it has completely changed the way we cover this sport.
0: Oh, man. Completely. The the conversations are just so dramatically different. And I agree. I like talking about some elements of the cap, and I like that it's part of the conversation. I would maybe turn the dial down a little bit, you know, from like 80% of the talk to 40% of the talk or something like that. Mm. That might be kind of a nice place to, to be. This text came in, and I like it. It's a good point. If you think the richest would win always without a cap, just look at the leafs they still went 40 years uh without a cup in uh, without the ha- salary cap while being the richest team i do think it's a fair point we all remember the rangers in the pre salary cap era yeah right? but
2: then look at the wings and the abs. i mean you can make arguments on both sides but was that like they both uh, those teams spent like insane sure, insane of money isn't, and one stand the cup they're
0: not do we look at either detroit or colorado as all oh, these <laughs> You can't possibly compete with those markets, right? You know what I mean. It's not New York. It's not L.A. It's not Toronto. But they were
1: spending. They were spending.
0: But if you have an owner spending to their life, if you have an owner in a non-traditional market who decides he wants to spend, I don't have a problem with that. Like that's what the Padres are doing in Major League Baseball right now. I, I, I I don't like that our system completely eliminates the possibility of an owner coming in and saying, "I want to get serious. I want to flex my muscle." and I want to make this team better, right? And to your point about the Avs and the Red Wings, yeah, they spent money. But we also look back at those as some incredibly entertaining series between the two teams. Oh, like I'm that not,
2: made I, that made awesome moments. I'm not knocking For not that just at those all.
0: fans, but for yeah. casual no, fans it was as awesome. well.
2: Oh, those teams were amazing to watch. I'm not knocking that at all. That was some really good hockey.
0: Like I think there's something to be said for super teams. Yeah, well, not yeah. Even, not super teams has a negative connotation, but a system that allows elite teams yeah. to develop, stay together, and meet each other in the playoffs. Like that's awesome. That and could be all, really
1: fun. And also to be occasionally upset. Do we even have true incredible upsets anymore in the NHL? Columbus, Columbus over beating Tampa—that's Tampa.
0: That's the big one,
1: right? That's the big one.
0: Yeah, I can't remember the lot. I can't remember another one that would jump out like right. that. You know, like if I guess, if it, it,
1: but no, no, but like what I'm saying is that occasionally, if an eight seed were to beat a one seed or a seven seed were to beat a two seed in the NHL, now it's kind of like, yeah, I can see that happening. Yeah, oh yeah, the goalie you got hot.
0: And they went in six, or, or they just
1: they were they were a good team. You have to be a you have to be a good team to make the playoffs. Mm-hmm. You know where I That mean, never it,
3: happens though. Is the NBA the first round is yeah the is, first round is never an upset. The, is the first, first round, is a round. And in you NBA. talk about how much that league is better at the trade deadline and all that. Well, you don't you don't get the the upsets that you do in the NHL. I'm not saying there's a lot in the NHL. Yeah,
1: I mean there have been occasional ones. I mean back in the day, the Nuggets upset the Sonics. That was a big one with Dikembe Mutombo, a young Dikembe Mutombo. Upsetting a really good Sonics team, mm-hmm. I want to say Golden State Golden pulled State off over a, Dallas. Over Dallas, yes, that pulled was off a big one. pulled off a big one. So it did happen. But you're right. M- more to the, more specifically, it was just kind of like, yeah. When is this series over? Like, let's get to the good stuff. The the one thing I think there's about, no perfect system, by no, the way. By but like, I'm just throwing this out there. There's going to be no perfect system that you can devise.
0: But the thing with the NBA, and I I get why people say, I don't want to be the NBA. I don't think the NBA and the way it works is caused by their salary cap situation as much as it is just the nature of basketball and the how, nature important, of the game. how important one player can be, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. And and again, in the NBA, like Milwaukee's recently won a championship. Toronto, of all teams, has recently won a championship. Golden State is this incredible powerhouse now, but I'm sure you remember like in the 90s, Forgotten. they were a joke. Yeah. They were the, the smallest of small markets mm-hmm. in the NBA. Now they have the owner and they've done some smart things, so they're a powerhouse, but it's not as if in the NBA, look at the Knicks. The Knicks have been terrible forever. In the NBA, it's more about just, hey, if you draft Giannis, if you have a, a, a GM who can make a trade for Kawhi Leonard, if you draft Steph Curry, it's more about that than, oh, you have to play in the biggest market. So I, I I do think if you're looking at, okay, hey, maybe we move from the hard cap system to more of a luxury tax, soft cap system like the NBA, I don't think that would all of a sudden turn the NHL into the NBA because it's just so different building a hockey team versus a basketball team.
1: How hard do you think the the players would push back if the owners in the next CBA negotiations tried to tackle contract length?
0: That's a really interesting one because how many what percentage of the guys in the PA will ever sign a deal more than 4 years? Yeah, more than even 3 years. Mm-hmm. It's a pretty small number, right? If you brought the limit down from, you know, 7 or 8 if you're resigning with your team to 4 or 5, which I think it was is what it is in the NBA. That is a 5-year
1: five 5-year five would be that's what yeah, I would want.
0: That is kind of impacting a very very small percentage yeah. of and the thing I like about that is there's always pressure to, you're always worried about what are we going to do with this star player, right? Like if Connor McDavid had signed
1: I think it's great drama.
0: A five-year deal yeah. instead of you an eight-year five deal. got five years here.
1: Look, Look you, at Toronto with Austin Matthews. Yeah. Now all of a sudden this the is a terrific is story. The
0: pressure is really going to be on in a hurry. So I think that is, minor Matt Texan, uh, the NHL needs to get rid of eight-year deals. No athlete should be signed for more than five years. The thing with that is it doesn't just help the owners. And, and in some ways, I think you can almost frustrate the owners because they can't lock these guys up for for super long term. But it creates a situation where you all you can't you can never just sit back and say, oh, OK, we, we've got Connor McDavid locked up for eight years. Time to just be patient and and slow roll this. And maybe we'll be good in three or four years. You always have to be thinking, what's our next move? Because there's the, the, the horizon you're working on is still pretty short term in that
1: situation. Uh, Chris Faber is going to join us at 7.30. We'll talk about the World Juniors, uh, but I think we'll also talk about the Canucks uh, players at the World Juniors. Uh-huh. Um, they are Jacob Truscott, Yoni Yermo, and uh, Lechka why Am I... Constantly mispronouncing this name. I don't I, know. I, why can't the Canucks uh, draft like some Smiths or some <laughs> We're taking Jones. Bob Jones in the first yeah, round. Yeah, <laughs> oh, it's actually Yones. Uh, God, it's a soft J. <laughs>
2: what do you like about this kid? Well, his last name's really his easy to pronounce. His last name's Jones.
1: <laughs> um, going forward, um, how do the Canucks improve this prospect group? Uh, I realize they made a small dent in it. And not dent, but they they improved it slightly at this draft. But they didn't pick up another first round pick. They didn't add picks. They weren't able to trade any of their players for picks. I I thought they might try and uh, get that second rounder back. They they never did. If you're looking at this prospect group right now, as it stands, it's not that great, right? No, like there the there's the, the occasional good player, but every team has the occasional good player, and some teams are absolutely loaded with their prospect group. And oftentimes it's because they've drafted a lot of players mm-hmm. and they've acquired first round draft picks like Minnesota, you know, and Columbus, who we're going to talk to Yarmo Kekalina about. They've added a couple first round draft picks. When you have two first round draft picks in the same year, it just changes the dynamic of the prospect group. And the Canucks haven't had that since, God, when was it? it was it the Kessler been, trade?
0: Uh, yeah. In, yeah. And so 2014.
1: 2014 yeah. when they got Jake with the, and Jake a- and, and um, uh was it Sh-
0: McCann? McCann. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
1: And you remember people were feeling pretty good about the prospect group then, or a lot, they were feeling not pretty good because it well, is it, 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 it still, it still needed a the lot more, but they year, felt yeah. they had
0: had Horvat and Shin Karik in the first round. Right. Right. So you had this kind of back to back situation now. Okay. Well, Horvat worked out, <laughs> but you yeah. don't have a lot else to show for the, for those four picks. Uh, but yeah, it, it, when you do it, especially back-to-back like that, it can change your prospect pool in a hurry.
1: And I just wonder if they're going to need something like that. Because the thing about the NHL is even if the Canucks get into a position where they are a quote-unquote good team, you need that constant supply <laughs> of young talent. If, and- if you, it's, what. What's funny is if you look at teams like uh, Tampa Bay and Colorado, it's not like they haven't made any picks. It's not like they've been selling out every year or haven't found a way to acquire draft picks, to acquire more picks. They've made their picks, so they constantly have this supply of talent, and that's what you need in order to keep competitive. That's where the previous, well, no, the previous to the previous management regime ran into trouble. They traded away a mm-hmm. lot of picks. They traded away a lot of seconds or whatever. I, I can't even remember the uh, the exact picks that they traded away, but ultimately they were left with nothing, and then their team got old, and they had nothing to replace them, and they were screwed.
0: Yeah. And as you said with Columbus, you pick twice in the first round. It changes things in a hurry. Well, with the Canucks, they missed the first round two years in a row. They yeah. missed the second round one of those years as well. So- you take out three really premium draft picks in a span of two years from your group, that's going to have a major impact, and we're seeing it right now, right? And hey, you get JT Miller for one of those deals. Obviously, you're very happy with how that trade has worked out in terms of his on-ice production, mm-hmm. but you're seeing the the gap, the missing guys in the prospect pool right now. And as much as you can say, you know, hey, we're going we're gonna to change how we scout, uh, we're going to lean more on analytics, lean more on video work, all of that to try to improve our drafting – I think the only long-term solution to building up your prospects pools is to add more picks, right? It's it's a volume game. Add yep. quantity. For sure it is. And then even if you do improve your drafting, it'll be even better if you have more picks to add. So that's what's going to have to happen. As you said, weren't able to do it this year, uh, which maybe speaks to some of the players they were trying to trade, maybe what they were asking. But if they're going to significantly improve their prospect pool from where it stands today, it has to begin with finding a way to add picks. The, the UFAs, right? Or the, the European free agents, the NCAA free agents, those are nice, but those are realistically always going to be more depth pieces to kind yeah. of fill out your prospect group. They're not going to be headliners. And that's what they kind of lack right now. Like, Lekker Mackey is really the only guy. Lo and behold, you have a first-round pick. You get a legit blue-chip prospect as a result. Speaking of prospects, the World Junior Quarterfinals go today. Our guy from Canucks Army, Chris Faber will join us next to break it all down and chat a little bit about the Canucks prospect pool as well. That's coming up next. It's Halford and Bruff, Sportsnet 650. This is the best of Halford and Bruff. Download
1: the full show through Apple, Google, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.